Wow, what a great morning. Jesus is alive. Amen. Fantastic. Great to see you all here this morning. If you're a visitor, it's great to have you with us. If you haven't been for a while, it's great to have you back with us. Uh, it's just really exciting to be here on the, the day that commemorates the greatest day in history. And we celebrated this morning, haven't we, that Jesus is alive. We've done that by singing. We've done that by waving some probably slightly unsafe uh, flags. We've uh, clapped. We've enjoyed this morning. We've celebrated that Jesus is alive. But, but so what? What difference does the resurrection actually make? What does the resurrection really mean for us today? Why is it so important? Why is it so significant? Well, of course, it's because Jesus' resurrection means that we get to celebrate Easter, doesn't it? And that means we get two days extra off work. It means we get to eat hot cross buns. We get to eat loads of chocolate over Easter. That's, that's the significance of Jesus' resurrection. It's brilliant. Fantastic. I, I think chocolate's amazing. Chocolate is fantastic. I would eat chocolate all day long. Uh, Joel gave me one of these on, on, on Friday, a little gift for me. It's very nice, isn't it? Rolo, uh, Easter egg. And Rob actually gave me one of these uh, cream eggs before he came in as well, just in case I didn't answer one of the questions. Fantastic. And apparently the average person in the UK eats nine and a half kilos, or 20 pounds if you still use old money like me, 20 pounds in weight of chocolate every year. That's the average um, amount of chocolate that's eaten. And around 80 million ch chocolate eggs are sold every Easter. Okay, 80 million in the UK, 80 million chocolate eggs are sold in this country. The most popular egg in the world, apparently, is the Cadbury's cream egg. That is the most popular egg in the world in terms of volume of sales. Rachel Baker clearly doesn't agree with me, she's shaking her head. But, but in terms of volume of sales, you might not like it, but in terms of volume of sales, they're apparently the most uh, popular. 500 million cream eggs are made in the UK. Lots of them are shipped abroad. 500 million are made in the UK. And the factory where, they can make, where they're made apparently can make 1.5 million a day. Now that's a great place to work, isn't it? 1.5 million cream eggs every day in that factory. Our spending in the UK on Easter eggs apparently accounts for 10% of all chocolate sales in the year in the UK, just over Easter. And apparently the average child in the UK over the Easter weekend will eat five chocolate eggs. Some of you may be way over that. Some of you may be a little bit less than I don't know. It's great having two extra days off, isn't it? And, and it's great as a chocolate lover that we get to feast on some lovely chocolate for the whole weekend. I definitely love the chocolate aspect of Easter, but is that the only difference that the resurrection of Jesus makes? Is that, is, is that it? Is it just about the Easter weekend with its extra holidays and with its chocolate fest? Jesus made some pretty outrageous claims. He said some pretty extraordinary things. He, he said some really serious things. And if Jesus had stayed dead, then it would have proved that Jesus was a liar and a madman, a deranged lunatic, in fact, because the things he said were so massive, so important, that for him to have stayed dead would have proved that everything he said was false and wasn't true. His death would have been nothing more than a tragic mistake. It would have been the tragic death of a crazy, delusional man. Jesus claimed to be God's son. He even claimed to be God himself. He claimed to be the only way to have a relationship with God. He claimed to have existed forever for all of eternity. And he, he claimed to be the, the one way to heaven. 
In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, I'm the only way to live. I'm the only truth that you should ever accept. And I'm the only way you can have a relationship with God. Now, that is a massive claim. That is a huge claim to say. It's a huge thing to, to kind of make. And if Jesus had stayed dead when he was crucified, then that claim would obviously have been false, wouldn't it? A dead man couldn't make those claims. A dead man making those claims would clearly be false. How could he be the only way to heaven if he was dead? How could he be the only way to live, the only version, the only reality of truth if he was actually dead? How could he be the way to a relationship with God? How could a dead man be eternal? Clearly his life has ended. How could a dead man be God? God cannot die. How could a dead man be God's son? Some of you will remember those crazy days when King Kevin Keegan returned for the second time, not the first time, but the second time to St. James's Park. Remember those, those fantastic days? Who was around in 2008? Who was celebrating that? Yeah, there's a few folks who remember those great days. People were making all sorts of amazing claims. I think they even claimed Kevin, King Kevin was a kind of modern-day messiah. The things that King Kevin was going to do here at Newcastle. Newcastle were going to be top of the league by the end of the, the, the season. They were going to win the FA Cup. They were going to qualify for the Champions League. They were going to be the greatest team ever in history with King Kevin at the helm. But if you're into football, if you know your football, if you lived in Newcastle, then you can't really avoid that. You'll know that lots of the things that were said about King Kevin didn't quite pan out. Not in 2008 anyway, because he resigned eight months later. Turns out that although he was good... King Kevin Keegan wasn't the greatest manager to have ever lived. He didn't quite walk on water, and Newcastle ended up being relegated that season. And you can test the claims that King Kevin Keegan made about himself and about other, that others made about him by studying what happened. You can study history, and you can see whether or not they were true. Turns out he wasn't what people claimed he was going to be. And it's the same with Jesus. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be eternal. He claimed to be the only way to God, the only way to heaven, the only way to eternal life. And the only way to determine whether Jesus was telling the truth or not is to fast forward from the time he made those claims and to see what happened to him. We see him dying on the cross. We thought about that on Good Friday. We see him taking the punishment for your sin, for my sin. We see him buried in the ground. But then we see him raising back to life, raised back to life again forever, to be alive forever. And if he'd stayed dead, then the claims that he had made would obviously have been false. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. The Bible says this, that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by how? By what? By his resurrection from the dead. And so because of the resurrection, we know that Jesus is who he claimed to be. The resurrection is the kind of authenticity stamp. Yes, Jesus really is who he said he was. He really is who he claimed to be. And all the things he said about himself are true because Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God. By what? By his resurrection. And because Jesus is who he claimed to be, then the death of Jesus has real meaning. Without the resurrection, the death of Jesus is just a tragic waste of a life, a delusional life. But with the resurrection, his death suddenly becomes the most important death in history. On Good Friday, as a church, we spent some time focusing on the death of Jesus. And that's really, really important, crucial, right at the center of our faith. But Jesus didn't stay dead. And without the resurrection, the death of Jesus Christ was just the senseless and barbaric waste of a life of a man who was a fake and a fraud. 
Only with the resurrection does the death of Christ have any power or any relevance or any meaning for us this morning. And that's why it's so important as Christians that we don't just focus on the death of Christ. Our focus must be on Jesus' death and his resurrection because the two go together like a hand in a glove. One without the other has no meaning. The Bible says that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And a few moments later, Paul goes on to say, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. We can talk about Jesus paying the price for our sins on the cross, but if Jesus hadn't come back to life, then our sins couldn't be forgiven. How can a dead man forgive our sins? But Jesus has risen. He is alive, and that means that we can have our sins forgiven. Jesus' resurrection means that I can have my sins forgiven. And the resurrection means that your past can be forgiven, your present can be forgiven, and even the future sins that you've yet to commit, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, they are all forgiven because of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection proves that Jesus really is who he claimed to be. And because he's who he claimed to be, then our sins can be forgiven, past, present, and future. As much as I like a few extra days off and, and, and lots of chocolate, the fact that my sins have been forgiven is slightly more important in the big scheme of things than chocolate and a few days off. It's way more exciting, isn't it? Way more important. Because Jesus rose from the dead, not only can our sins be forgiven if we put our faith and our trust in him, if we surrender our lives to him, but we can also then be made right with God. Speaking about Jesus, Paul says this in Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for what? For our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification or being justified is the, the technical Bible term for being made right with God. Our sins mean that we are kind of God's enemies, but when Jesus saves us, we're justified, we're made right, we can have a relationship with God. It means that when God looks at us, if we've put our faith in Jesus, when God looks at me this morning, he no longer sees my sin, instead he sees the perfection, the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus. That's what it means to be justified, to be made right with God. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it proves he is who he said he was. And because he is who he said he was, then we know that he really has dealt with our sins by taking the punishment that we deserved. And because he's done that, we know that he not only forgives our sins, but he gives us the same standing with God that he himself has. The same wonderful relationship that Jesus has with his Father is the relationship that we have if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, or that we can have if you take that step this morning. When we trust in Jesus, God not only forgives our sins, he declares us to be holy and perfect in his sight. And that means that we're completely accepted by God. A God is holy, who hates the sins that we commit, but because Jesus has dealt with them, we can be accepted by God. We're justified. So Jesus' resurrection means not, not only means that our sins are forgiven, it means that we are completely accepted by God this morning if we've trusted in him. And we're at peace with him. That's what the resurrection means. That's the reality, the real worth and value of the resurrection. So because of Jesus' resurrection, if we've trusted in him, then God views us this morning. God views you this morning, if you've trusted in him, as being as perfect and as holy as Jesus. But if we're honest, then we all know, don't we, that we still mess up. We still sin. We still do things that we shouldn't do. We don't live in the way that we're meant to. So what happens then? What happens when we sin? Do we lose that acceptance by God? No, because Jesus has risen from the dead and he's now representing us in heaven right now before God 24 hours a day. He never sleeps. He's there before God as our representative. Paul says this in Romans 8.34, Who is the one that condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is there right now interceding, representing you and I if we've trusted in Jesus. He's our representative in heaven. The name Satan, which is one of the devil's names, Satan means the accuser. And that's what Satan loves to do. He loves to accuse us and point the finger at us. And that kind of voice that we hear in our head, you've, you've screwed up again, you're useless, you're a waste of space, you are pathetic, you are, can't be a Christian, you don't deserve God's love, God doesn't love you anymore. Did you ever hear those kind of, those kind of questions, those kind of accusations going around in your head? Well, this verse tells us that nobody can condemn us. Why? Because Jesus, who was raised to life, is now at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. He's there representing us in heaven. And that means that when we mess up and when we sin, because Jesus is there interceding for us, representing us, when God looks at us, he says, I don't see any sin. I don't hear any condemning thought. There's nothing. There's no condemnation. I've accepted them. I've accepted those people. They are my children. They are my family now. All I see is Jesus in them. Because Jesus died and rose again and is now at God's right hand, when we trust in Jesus, God gives us Jesus' righteousness and perfection and holiness. So Jesus' resurrection means that not only am I accepted by God, but I continue to be accepted by God. And I'm free forever from any condemnation. Nobody, not even Satan, can point the finger at us and say that we are uh, guilty because we have been declared not guilty by Jesus himself. No matter how badly we might let God down, if we've trusted in Jesus, then because he died and rose again, he's there interceding for us this morning. And we're free from condemnation forever, not guilty. And so when we hear those accusations in our mind, the right response is to remind ourselves who we are now in Christ. What is our new identity? Who am I because I trusted in Jesus? I am free from condemnation because of Jesus. Satan might make a lot of noise, but God isn't listening to him and neither should we. If we trusted in Jesus, then the fact that he rose again also means that we get to escape God's wrath when Jesus comes to judge the world. Because Jesus rose again, it means that he's alive right now and he's going to come and take those that have trusted in him right throughout history to be with God forever. And that means that we won't have to face God's wrath when he judges the world. Jesus is going to come and rescue us and take us out of this world to be with him forever. Paul says this, that we are to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. God's judgment on this world and on all who've rejected him throughout history, and anybody who rejects Jesus is going to face God's wrath forever, which is a terrifying thought, but is also completely right and deserved and justified. But because of Jesus' resurrection, if we've put our trust in him, then he'll come again and he'll rescue us from that coming wrath, and we'll be with him forever because of Jesus' resurrection. Not only will he rescue us from God's wrath, he'll take us to be with God and be in his presence where we'll enjoy his love forever. On Good Friday, just gone, we had a roast lamb dinner. Other uh, mint sauce options are available, by the way. It's not, we're not plugging Coleman's. But we had a roast lamb dinner with all the trimmings and, of course, mint sauce. But bizarrely, it seems that not everybody likes mint sauce with lamb particularly people from other countries, it seems it's a particularly British thing to do. And people from outside the UK or have not grown up in the UK find it very strange when we put lamb, we put lamb with mint sauce. If you haven't had that, come round and we'll, and we'll let you have some. We, we had Bolu and Isabel round a, a, a while ago and we had some lamb and mint sauce and Bolu says, I'm not eating that. In Romania, we don't put sweet things with savoury things. I'm not eating that. 
and he refused to touch it. So it seems that we're not all the same. Not everybody is the same. Not everybody has the same great taste that I have. We don't all like the same things. Some people amazingly don't even like chocolate. A few years ago, Rob bought me um, a Marmite chocolate bar. Have you ever heard of a Marmite chocolate? Fair, fair point, Anna. Fair point. Now, I love chocolate and I love Marmite. Okay? So I thought, hey, I'll give it a go. Try everything once. And the first chunk was interesting, if a little bit strange. But I couldn't quite make my mind up if I really liked it or not. So I had another one. And another one, and another one. And those of you who know me well, when I don't have any control where chocolate, I just eat a whole bar, doesn't matter how big it is, I would just eat the whole thing. So I ate this whole bar of chocolate in one go. And afterwards I thought, that was disgusting. <laughs> so, sorry, Rob, it was very kind of you, but it's, it's horrible. Marmite is certainly a food that divides people. But the one thing that we have all got in common here this morning, perhaps amongst other things, but one thing that is really important that we all have in common this morning is that we all face dying one day. Every single one of us are going to die. Two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. We will all die. It's a universal problem that we all have. It's not something we talk about. I, I doubt you've ever invited your friends over and said, hey, why don't you come over on Friday and let's talk about death. Let's, let's plan our funerals. That'll be fun. Nobody does that. That's not what we do, but it's real, so we do need to talk about it. Death is the only certainty we have in life, so we need to talk about it. We need to be ready for it. The average UK lifespan is 81 years. I'm 50, which means that I'm probably going to die in 30 years' time, maybe less, maybe more. And because that's the case, I really want to know where I'm going to go when I die. I really want to know that my death is... is, is is sorted and dealt with. I want to know that I've got eternity with God to look forward to in a place where there's no more sin and, my, and no more sorrow and death. I want to know that I'm going to spend eternity with God rather than eternity in the place the Bible calls hell, a place of, an awful place of abandonment and suffering and eternal punishment for sin. Jesus said this in one of his prayers, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Death doesn't have to hold any fear for us. Death is never nice, it's never good, but it doesn't have to hold us in fear. The way to eternal life, the way to be able to defeat death is to have a relationship with God through Jesus. I wonder what you're putting your hope in this Easter. What is it you're kind of really clinging on to? What is it you're hoping for? Is it the lottery? Is it your job? Is it your next holiday? Is it a relationship? The Bible says this, in his great mercy, God has given us new birth in a, into a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus rose again, if we place our faith and our trust in him, if we confess our sins, if we ask him to forgive us, if we ask him into our lives, make him our Lord and our Savior and our King, then we have real hope. It's not a kind of cross your fingers and, and hope for the best and, and hope things all just kind of turn out well in the end. It's a hope, it's a certainty, an absolute concrete rock solid certainty. A living hope, the Bible says, a certain knowledge that God has given us eternal life. It's a certain hope that we can face death knowing that if Jesus doesn't return before we die, then death for us is just the gateway into heaven and into God's presence. So what difference does the resurrection make? Well, it proves that Jesus is who he said he was. 
It means our sins can be forgiven. It means we can be accepted by God. It means we're free from condemnation. And it means that death has been defeated and our eternal destiny is utterly secure. That's amazing, isn't it? Anybody excited about that? Good. But the resurrection has real meaning for us in day-to-day living as well. It's not just about something that's in the future. The Apostle Paul wrote this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And when we become Christians, when we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and surrender our lives to him, when we receive that forgiveness of sins that his death makes possible and the resurrection makes possible, then we get to experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now our power and is living in us. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, is now living in you and me. How? Because the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells within us. Peter said these words as he spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit when he was preaching at Pentecost. Peter stood up and he said this, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear, the coming, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit couldn't come until, uh, or, or couldn't come on believers until Jesus had died and had risen again and returned to the right hand of God in heaven. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, it's one of the names of the Holy Spirit, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's because of Jesus' resurrection that Jesus was able to send the Holy Spirit on all who put their faith and trust in him and to live within them, and to transform them for all eternity, born again from the inside out. And that means that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in my life and in your life if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. How amazing is that? How phenomenal is that? I don't know about you, but sometimes the problems in my life seem just too big to face. I don't know how to face them or or deal with them. But but I found comfort again this week in, in preparing to preach this morning, being reminded that I'm not on my own in this life, having to deal with these, the, the challenges of life on my own. I have the same power that conquered death working in me and available to me and working through me. I am not alone. That same power has given me new life and has guarantees my eternal destiny. And if you love Jesus this morning, if you've surrendered your life to him, then that same resurrection power is at work in you right now this morning. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. On our own we are weak. But because of Jesus we are strong and we have his strength at work in us and in our lives through His power, the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. This isn't positive thinking. This is about trusting in the power of God in our lives, trusting in what the Bible says is true about us, even if we don't always feel it's true. What difference does the resurrection make? Well, it proves that Jesus is who he said he is. It means that our sins are forgiven. It means that we've been accepted by God. It means that we're free from condemnation. It means that our future is secured. And it means that we can deal with and face the challenges of life. Because Jesus is alive and well and living within us by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you've trusted in Jesus this morning, then let me encourage you. Let me remind you again. 
that the resurrection really matters. It's not just an add-on to what happened on Good Friday. It's not just an add-on to the cross. Without the resurrection of Jesus, then the cross of Jesus has no meaning. It's just a, a, a barbaric waste of a, of a crazy man's life. But with the resurrection, it's the most, the most life-changing moment in history. The, re- the resurrection for you, if you've trusted in Jesus this morning, has real significance for your life. It means that Jesus is who he said he was. That means that all your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. It means that you can face the, the challenges and the trials of life because his spirit is living within you. And it means that your future is secure. You are safe in his hands forever. This morning, it may be that you've yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've never actually asked him to forgive your sins. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. Up until now, you've kind of been keeping Jesus at a distance for whatever reason. Up until now, you've not surrendered your life to him. But if you this morning want to know these same truths are applied for your life, that your sins are forgiven, that you want strength to face life, you want that hope for eternity, to be able to trust your death with Jesus. If you want a little bit more than public holidays and Easter eggs, then this Easter Sunday, the risen Lord Jesus Christ is the one that you need to surrender your life to. If you want to do that today, it's really simple. You don't need to to do anything special or anything clever. It's just a a matter of coming before God and, and acknowledging that you have messed up, that you are a sinner, that you've not lived the way that God wants you to live. And simply coming and saying, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've not lived the way that you call me to do. And every one of us has, has failed to live the way that God wants us to live. And then by saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died there for me. You took the punishment for all those things that I failed to do and all those things that I know I shouldn't have done. And by saying, please, Lord, just please forgive me. Please come into my life and please live in me and transform me. And pledge yourself to then follow the risen Lord Jesus, for the rest of your life. Really simple. Sorry, I'm sorry that I've messed up. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please forgive me. Please come into my life, and I will follow you for the rest of my life. I'm going to give you a moment of quiet now where you might like to take that step. Let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. Uh, and, and let's just have a few moments of, of reflection as we think about the reality of the resurrection and if you've never, if this is new to you, if this is something that is, is not, you know, Jesus isn't in your life, then now is a great opportunity for you to do that. If you don't feel ready to do that, or maybe you want to chat about that further, then do come and chat with me afterwards or speak to Rob. We'd be delighted to talk with you further. But let's just take a few moments to reflect and be quiet before God. Father, we come before you this morning, we worship you. We thank you that your son, the Lord Jesus, came, lived the perfect life, died that death for us in a sacrificial death, dealing with our sins once and for all. Thank you that though he died, he didn't stay dead, he rose again. And this morning we thank you, we praise you that we worship a living saviour who is there right now at your right hand, interceding for us, representing us. 
We thank you that he's going to come again for us, that he's going to rescue us from the coming wrath. Thank you that we get to spend eternity with you, that we can trust you with our deaths, knowing that you have conquered death once and for all. This morning we worship you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great love to us. Thank you that you died and rose again for each one of us. We praise you. We worship you. We want to tell you that we love you this morning. We worship you together. And we pray all this in the name, the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.